Welcome to Private Club Radio, your weekly source for industry education, news and discussion. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi. It's a pleasure to be with you once again here on Private Club Radio. Thanks for joining me here on another Monday morning or whenever you're listening to this podcast. Happy to have you here. Our guest today is Keith Pabian of the Pabian Law Firm. We're going to be talking about H-2B visas and what that could mean for your private club. Talk about the history of the H-2B process as well as what's headed, what's in store, and how that law may change and may affect your club. Really interesting stuff there. I've got a big announcement for you. This show, Private Club Radio, has now grown, and it's now a part of what's called the Golf Radio Network. We launched the Golf Radio Network just this month, just last week, in fact. And right now, just two shows on. It's my show, the Private Club Radio Show, as well as Ricky Potts, who has been a guest on the Private Club Radio Show. His show, which is called Wednesday Match Play, His podcast airs actually on Thursdays because he records that late at night on Wednesdays. It's a live streaming YouTube show and the replays are now on the Golf Radio Network on Thursdays. So I'm really excited to expand the format. I'm looking to bring on a couple more shows related to golf. We've got another show in the works. We should be launching the next month and a half to two months here. And I'm actively looking for new shows and new guests for those shows. So if you have an idea for a show, or if you are a current show host or know someone who is, please shoot me an email, Gabe at Private Club Agency. I would love to talk to you about the network. And our goal for this network is going to be reaching 1 million listeners, which is a very lofty goal, but I think it's completely doable. I'm hoping to do that in the next couple years here on the Golf Radio Network. To put that into perspective, the Private Club Radio Show has just recently crested over 21,000 unique listeners. So obviously, this show is a very niche show. It's specifically for private clubs, and our audience reflects that, if you will. But the Golf Radio Network, of course, much broader audience there. Want to tap into those 30 million plus golfers here in the United States and, of course, many more across the world. So really excited to launch that. I would love it if you could support the, some of those shows. So first of all, go ahead and on your podcast app that you're using, go ahead and head over to hashtag Wednesday Match Play. It's all one word. Search for that and pull up Ricky's show because he does a very good job as a show host, bringing on some guests in the golf world, anything from big break stars to major retail brands in the golf space. He's interviewing folks over there each and every week, just like we do here on this show, but a little bit more broad again into the golf world. Hashtag Wednesday Match Play. Definitely check that show out. And when you see the Golf Radio Network posts out there, please share it with your friends. That would go a long way to helping this show grow. I'm not going to take up any more of your time on this episode. We're going to cut right to our featured interview for the week. Today, I'm joined by Keith Pabian. He's the founding partner of Pabian Law LLC, an immigration law firm in Boston, Massachusetts that focuses on assisting employers through the visa and immigration process. Keith has a unique specialization in representing seasonal businesses from coast to coast, with a special focus on the private club industry. Keith and his firm are very involved with the CMAA, the National Club Association, the HFTP, and their affiliated local chapters. 
Keith has presented at numerous national conferences, local chapter meetings, and international webinars on immigration topics affecting the private club industry. Keith, welcome to Private Club Radio. Thank you so much for having me. It was nice to meet you there up in New York. We were at the National Club Conference, and uh, I had a great time. What did you think of that conference? It was, it was a great conference. They always do a great job with those conferences. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was really fun. I, what I loved is, is, obviously, we went to the Friars Club. We went to the University Club and whatnot. But the, the, the variety of education, I think, is just really unique about that conference. It is. And it, they do a great job of pulling together a lot of different club managers from different areas of the country. So mm-hmm. it really is a great, they really do put on a great conference there. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good time. So it was nice to meet you there. But um, when we were there, we were chatting and you were telling me how you work with uh, clubs and especially the H2B visa uh, issues that are out there. So that's a big issue, obviously, in private clubs. Can you give us, can let's start off with just a little history of the H2B program? Yeah, so the H2B program is, uh, it's a type of visa. So the H2B visa was created for seasonal businesses. And what it does is it allows seasonal businesses to bring in, to bring in foreign nationals to work in basically any job that they need help, uh, in terms of staffing. So I always describe the H2B as a staffing solution when a club can't find people either because they're so remote or they're in such a densely populated area like Florida where they're all competing for the same talent, mm-hmm. um, it can be a great option for clubs to be able to get the, the people they need to fill the positions that they're having trouble staffing. Yeah. So uh, how long has the program been around out there and, and, and how often are clubs utilizing this, this out there? So it's been around for decades. Um, it's been around for quite a while. It's gone through many changes along the way. Um, even as recently as 2015, they basically rewrote the regulations. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of the clubs, it, it's been interesting to watch, especially as the economy ha- has um, continued to improve and unemployment continues to go down. More and more clubs are turning to this. Uh, it used to be, or traditionally, it really was the Florida clubs and um, mid-Atlantic New England clubs, th- those that are tr- that are in, in the north so seasonal because of the weather where they're, they don't have, uh, they, they close down for months of the year. Sure. And down in Florida where they just can't find people, you know, the, the, the club industry gets really hit in Florida by a lot of the high-end um, hotels and restaurants where they're trying to find servers or cooks or dishwashers. Mm-hmm. And they just can't find them because the, there's just not enough people to service the demand down there. Um, what we've been seeing, though, is it's really continued to grow um, over the last few years. And we're seeing clubs now in, in a lot of states that, that even have year-round, um, they're open year-round, but are, are really interested in trying to solve some of the staffing struggles they're having because uh, there just aren't workers available or willing to do the jobs. Yeah, that, that's a big issue. I don't know if I mentioned it to you while we were at the conference, but I actually did a documentary about this this subject back in, man, it must have been like 2005, 2006. So this has been an ongoing issue where you know there's there not only clubs, but businesses that just can't find people in their local market to do the work for them. And of course, being a seasonal business, obviously that has its own challenges because people don't want to work seasonally. They want to work full-time for a club or for, for whatever business. So it's got to be got to be quite a challenge out there. Oh yeah, I, I agree. I you know I always say to clubs, I I, I own my my law firm, and I, it's hard enough staffing for a year-round position. I can't even imagine trying to staff seasonally. It it, it just seems like an impossible and monumental task every year. 
Yeah, totally, totally. And I don't, is it the case? Because like I said, when I was doing that documentary, we were exploring the issues around it. And I know at the time there was like a cap on how many of these workers, I want to say, you know, don't quote me, but I think it was like 50,000 of these H2B visas were available at the time. And what would happen is the ski resorts out in like Colorado and stuff would pretty much take up all the workers right in the beginning of the season, like in this, in uh, January, February. And then other businesses that really started in the summertime didn't have access to those, to those workers. Is that still the case? Are those still some similar issues that are going on? Yeah. So it depends on where organizations are. So one of the things the government did is they took the cap and they split it in half. So you were actually really close with the number. I'm, I'm impressed. Uh, so what they, what the regulations say, what the immigration regulations say is that 66,000 H2B visas are available annually. Okay. And the government uses their own fiscal year. So the government fiscal year starts on October 1st. And so then they split in half. So they say now to avoid the problem you just described, from October 1st until um, March 31st, 33,000 H2B visas are available. Mm-hmm. And then from April 1st until September 30th, the other 33,000 are available. Mm-hmm. What's happening, so where, where the issue is now, is it's less of an issue for Florida uh, clubs. And the reason why is there's just less demand, despite how many ski resorts there are, there there are just a lot more petitioners for H2B visas that happen in that second half of the year. Um, In the club industry, for example, it's really just Florida and Arizona that that do that, that um, October, November start date. The rest fall into the other one. So what I would say to the Florida or uh, to the Florida clubs is it's really not a huge issue for them other than getting questions about um, potentially having people transfer to clubs down in Florida. Um, the, the reason why is if you do an in-country transfer where someone might move from um, a club on Cape Cod down to a club in Florida, they don't count against that 66,000 figure and they don't have to worry about whether the cap is reached or not. Oh, that's nice. Um, yeah, so that, that's a huge benefit. Um, and, and, and that's a huge benefit to making relationships in the club industry, especially since the industry is so tight anyway, so many people know each other at other clubs. Um, but where the issue really happened this year is for the, um, basically everyone north of Florida and, and uh, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And what happened was they reached the numerical cap earlier than they ever have before. And um, it, it used to be that if you had a start date in April or May, you were, you were safe and, and you'd get your people. Mm-hmm. And for clubs, April or May, you know, even if you're up in Maine um, at the cold, or, or Michigan in, in, the, uh, in the Upper Peninsula, if it's freezing, um, even those dates would work for them. This year, though, basically anyone with an April 15th start date and later um, saw the cap be reached and they had to really scramble and, wow. and try to figure out how they were going to staff. And so mm-hmm. it's created a real big problem um, for the club industry as well as seasonal businesses across the country. Sure. So, so how are some of the ways that you guys can help out, help clubs out there who are looking to staff their clubs in these seasonal situations? So, yeah. So, I mean, one is just easing the anxiety and fear in terms of what we've, what I've seen is just, there's so much misinformation out there right now and and rumors and just uh, untruths. Um, But, but what we do at our office is um, we, we, we're not recruiters, but what we do is we, we create a, we facilitate a lot of relationships between um, Northern and Southern clubs. Um, Our office is so focused on the club industry that we represent a a lot of clubs. And so what we'll do is a Northern club 
um, I'll use an example. We have um, some clubs in Nantucket and Nantucket traditionally has a later start date because it's just cold. People don't get to the island until the end of May. Right. Um, and, and so they can't the move their super yacht, All the big super yachts roll in like June and July, don't they? Something like that. That's exactly right. Right. And, and there's absolutely no need before that. Um, right. It's still a ghost town, even mid-May. Mm-hmm. And so what we would do is we would introduce that Nantucket club to um, one of our Florida clubs and say they have, they have um, start dates and end dates that work well for each other where they mirror each other. Mm-hmm. And now they can use in-country recruiting um, to avoid having to go through the cap the, the subsequent year. The other thing to look at is does it make sense to move a start date up to April 1st um, if you can show that there is a need for that? Because if you can move it to April 1st, that's the first day that the second batch of visas become available. So just just helping clubs understand what options are out there and, and planning accordingly is really where where we focus a lot of our energy right now. Nice. Well, you mentioned misinformation that exists out there and pitfalls and things that people think are are out there. What are some of those fears, and how do you how can you alleviate those for some clubs out there? Yeah. So the um, so I guess in terms of the Florida clubs, I'll start with the easy one. For the Florida clubs, I was talking to a to a club yesterday. And the woman's, the HR person at that club said to me, well, they're going to, um, w- we're taking precautions to protect ourselves against the cap and we're going to move up our start date. And I said to her, I'm glad that you, you understand the situation for the North, but it really doesn't affect your start date down in Florida. Mm-hmm. So one of the, so one of the things is just having the Florida clubs understand that this issue really does not directly affect them and they don't really need to be worrying about moving start dates unless they have a very, very late start date that I've, I've never seen before in Florida. Right, right. If, if they have October, November start dates, they're fine. Sure. In, in terms of the Northern organizations, one of the things that happened when they passed the last spending bill um, at uh, about maybe three or four weeks ago was they put in the allowance for the U.S. Department of uh, Homeland Security to reopen the cap, the numerical cap. Mm-hmm. And so now there are all these rumors circulating that they're going to open, re- they're going to reopen the cap, that um, that it will happen on a certain date. And there's, there's, there hasn't been anything that they've said to indicate when that will happen. Mm-hmm. So having these, these clubs understand that, um, that some of the information that's out there is just rumors that are being spread and, and, and isn't based on fact. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we've done at our offices, we've really tried, we, we just generally try to focus on education anyway. Sure. And so, um, we, we have, um, we, we send out a lot of client alerts, um, to our, to our each to our club contacts, um, whenever there's actual true information that that needs to be disseminated, um, we've done webinars. But it's really just making sure that that clubs understand what's what's really happening, rather than relying on on rumors. Because I, I think that's where that's where a lot of mistakes and and um, and confusion end up happening. Sure. Is there any current legislation or anything happening in Washington right now that might affect the H2B visa program? Yeah, so that's a great question. So there are three bills sitting out there to do to bring back this this regulation called the returning worker exemption. Mm-hmm. So what the returning worker exemption was was it was this um, regulation that was tied into the spending bills that constantly expire and have to get renewed. And it allowed people who had held an H-2B visa in the last three years to come back and not be counted against the cap. Mm-hmm. So it was a huge, huge benefit for, yeah. for employers yeah. because all these people were able to come in annually and they weren't counting against the cap. 
And this when was that their expired, that expired. <laughs> they got families. Oh, back actually, yeah. Well, well, and a lot of those people um, for the clubs, those are some of their most valued employees. Those are sure. people who um, come back year after year. They're they're the ones that really know their members and, right. and the processes and procedures. So um, that's been a really big hit for the clubs this year. And uh, the um, so there 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 are these th- these three bills out there to bring back the returning worker exemption. Mm-hmm. Um, what what I've been seeing and hearing though is that. Because in the spending bill, they put in this allowance for the cap to be reopened, all three bills have just completely stalled. Um, two of the bills are in the House. One is in the Senate. I think they're going to start getting attention again mm-hmm. as we near the, the expiration of this current spending bill, which is at the end of September. Right. And my hope is that one of these bills will actually get passed because it's a really, to me, it's a really silly idea to tie in any any sort of immigration regulation to a temporary spending bill it'd be nice if they actually made it a real law that that doesn't right. expire yeah exactly. and if that happens it, would, uh, it just doesn't make sense and if it happened it would actually it would provide a lot more certainty to the process mm-hmm. because what, what unfortunately especially for the organizations north of florida um what's happened over the last few years is they've just seen it just feels to them like it's endless issues with the H2B visa process. Yeah. For Florida clubs, it's been fantastic. Uh, they haven't had the brunt of it. Right. But if they could if they could pass one of these bills, I think for the northern organizations, it would create a, a, an H2B process that where there's predictability and constancy, and and it would be a much better process for those organizations where it would actually be a great solution rather than a great solution with a lot of ifs and what and what happens if. Scenarios. What, what's your opinion on the current administration? Are 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 they leaning towards uh, doing the right thing here, or or what do you think is going to happen? What what are their thoughts, anyways? Well, so they're in a weird situation. Um, I, so they're in a weird situation. So the Trump administration is everyone knows, and and I mean, as 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 we saw Gabe in in New York, Eric Trump spoke at the National Club Association event. Yep. Um, really nice Trump, guy. The Trump. The yeah, he he was actually um, I was much more impressed with him than I that I was yeah, expecting. I agree. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know, so the Trump family has an interest in bringing this back. They have a lot of they have a lot of clubs that are north of Florida. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the the Trump golf clubs are, are in the Mid Atlantic, and it seems like they're they're just adding to their portfolio, especially based on what what Eric Trump said. Sure. They, so they have an interest in bringing this back. On the other side, though, Trump is an, is a Republican, and so there are a lot of people within his administration that that don't feel similarly, right? Um, Especially travel, and, and a lot of them are on record talking about, yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, one of the things I, I tell clients is that in the last since since Trump took office, there have been a lot of immigration negative things that have come out. So, regardless of your political affiliation, what I mean by immigration negative is there there are things that have been done where the Trump administration seems to be limiting the availability of visas, or at least attempting to. Yeah. The only thing, though, that has been a positive immigration um, aspect was they actually authorized Homeland Security to increase, drastically increase the number of HGVs through this reopening of the cap. Mm-hmm. So what I take from that is, despite all of the the talk about about um all the immigration initiatives that have gotten a lot of press, like the wall and, and, and the travel bans. The one thing that they've actually done that have, that have been a positive 
in the immigration community has been in H2Bs. So I don't think H2Bs are going away. Mm -hmm. I just think that there's a lot of, he's facing an uphill battle within his own party sometimes. And I think that's, that's what's, that's the, the roadblock right now with reopening the cap and getting these returning worker exemptions back in. Yeah, I think you're I think you're right on right there. So I know your time is short and you've got another meeting to be at, but how do folks get in touch with you, Keith, if they want to engage your firm or learn more about the process? Yeah, absolutely. So um I can be reached. My phone number is 617-939-9444. Um and uh, my email address is Keith K-E-I-T-H at pabianlaw.com. P-A-B-I-A-N-L-A-W dot com. Awesome. And we'll have and, a link uh, to your site up on our show notes page for you as well. Yeah, wonderful. I'm always happy to talk to clubs. I um, I'm not one of those attorneys that that hits the clock. So, um, <laughs> you know, one of the one of the things I I really do, really do enjoy about my practice is working with our club clients. So, yeah. I'm always happy to have a conversation. I will be the first to tell a club if if the H2B uh, visa is not right for them. But um, I, I despite a lot of these challenges and, and changes, I, I've still seen the H2B. I'm still an H2B champion in terms of I I think it can be a huge value to a club when they just can't find people to fill certain p- positions and roles at their, at their organizations. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a huge benefit out there and uh, more clubs should take advantage of that for sure. Keith, thank you so much for joining me on Private Club Radio today and hope you have a wonderful rest of yours. Thanks so much, Gabe. Awesome stuff from Keith right there. I hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. So once again, little reminder, go ahead and Add the hashtag Wednesday match play to your weekly podcast. You're going to enjoy that one, I promise. And look out for all the Golf Radio Network shows that will be coming at you this summer. If you do have someone in mind, or if that's you, someone who'd like to be a host or have a great show idea, or someone who already has a show, just needs a little bit more support, a little bit more structure, I would appreciate you sending that name my way. Until next week, here's to your membership success. Private Club Radio is brought to you by the Private Club Agency, the premier marketing and consulting firm dedicated to helping clubs increase and retain their membership. Visit privateclubagency.com to learn more.